Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening to my the first episode of my new podcast, Your Favorite Records. My, my name is Anders Nyberg, and on this podcast, we'll be talking to a different guest each week, looking into their favorite albums, the context behind the release, the uh, their favorite aspects of the album, and then going into sort of a song-by-song track analysis of the album. On this first episode, we'll be talking to my friend Forrest Stewart about his favorite album, Animal Years, by Josh Ritter. Well, first of all, you know, just thanks for coming on my show to talk about your favorite album. Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, so my my initial, this is, since this is my first episode on the show, I thought I'd, you know, go a little bit into what my goal is with it. So it's sort of an accompanying piece to the blog I recently started, uh, which the intention behind that is just for me and other people who like music to you know, learn a little bit more about um, just different types of music that you might not normally know about. And I thought a really cool way of doing that would be, you know, just interviewing friends of mine or people I know about what their favorite music is. And we all just have, you know, our own our own idea of what what is really appealing and what is important when it comes to music. And the more perspectives we can get about that is really important, I think. So... I think that, you know, I'll learn more about music and hopefully the guests will learn more about it as well when you have to kind of go in depth about the album in this way. So, yeah, um, you chose this album Animal Years by Josh, The Animal Years by Josh Ritter. Uh, it came out in 2006. Um, you said you said it's his fourth studio album. Yeah, it's his uh fourth studio album except the first one is like a self-titled album um called josh ritter and it was like literally i mean it was recorded like it's the same thing as like if somebody recorded an album in like kwlc except in the early 2000s so they didn't have any actual like (laughs) good technology so it's not i I would say it's not i mean i didn't even know that it existed until like uh all of his stuff got put onto itunes and so it's it's not a very well-known album that's interesting though like you, you you have listened to that first self-titled album before yeah no it's good i actually um after our like adventures this summer doing bob dylan stuff i i listened to it um again right when i got back and i was actually i had like a, a really a new appreciation for it because of how um like explicitly steeped in like dylan and guthrie it's it, his early his early that stuff is is. i think you can still he can you can still hear that on even the animal years, what we're going to listen yeah. to. Um, but I would say in general, like this is more of a, like a, you know, zoom out view of, of Josh's career. But I think in general, his trajectory has been from very much like American folk singer songwriter, um, sort of, yeah, Guthrie Dylan in that same vein um, to more of a alternative, um, semi-experimental i think you could call it alternative rock i i I don't really listen to to much alternative rock but it but his most recent stuff is very much more electric centric um and and i think straight it is it's you wouldn't really identify it much in the in the singer songwriter in the singer songwriter okay so do you do you probably like this era of like the animal years and before the best or yeah yeah no and, and and i would say um I like I like all of it, and and I guess I should say um, my opinions are very much steeped in like sentimentality because 
uh, Joshua Dre was like one of the first artists that I actually really got into because he uh, went to my, he was, my, my grandpa was a pastor um, at, in Moscow, Idaho, and Joshua Dre actually went to his church. So oh, I was like turned on to okay. him, not, not even like as like a popular person, but literally as just um, a musician who went to my grandpa's church. Um, and so I've, you know, I've been listening to his music since, since I like really can remember it's some of the, the, the oldest music I've, I've listened to throughout That's my life. That's cool. So, so you've um, known about him like bef- just because of like the personal connection before he became, you know, famous? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he was always well, I mean, I didn't, you know, I, like he was, he was, especially it's also just interesting about his career trajectory. Like he first got well-known in Ireland, which is, which is just sort of interesting. He was, um, yeah, I read about some that. of these really early albums when he was like, he was, uh, you know, not famous at all in the U S but was charting in the top 40 in Ireland, which is just like kind of that funny. Is funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I've, I've, uh, like one time when I was in, I think fourth grade, my grandma and my brother and I were leaving the bank in Moscow, Idaho. And she was like, Oh, there's Josh Ritter. So we like pulled over and my she was like they're my grandparents are friends with josh's parents okay and she was like oh hey josh you want to come over and uh hang out like our like my grandkids are, are really big fans of you so he like came over to our house and hung out i wow. I, I took a an, an extreme amount of um pride in that interaction <laughs> that, that sort of gave me i felt i i definitely wielded a, a disproportional amount of clout after that happened um but that is to say like I definitely am biased towards the early albums. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I mean, he, he's released a lot. He's released a lot. Um, and I think the album that came out um, right when we got into college in 2015, Sermon on the Rocks, that was the first album that I thought was like n- not as good as the, the, the previous ones. Um, yeah, I remember... So, uh, when I first met you, I think it was pretty pretty soon after the 2017 album came out. And I think you were talking about that mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. So, and it's funny though because it's the opposite. When I I went to a show of his, um, I think the summer after sophomore year, and it was funny because all like all the people there were singing along with the new songs. I didn't even know the new songs, but then when he would play the old songs, I would know them. So it is. It's like I think. <clears throat> even though a lot of the folk folk people kind of like the old stuff he i think has gotten the bulk of his popularity in recent years from um this more i mean i don't know I, honestly you should listen to the albums and you would have a much a much better time um describing them i just I, they're just different i, I um, listened to the 2019 but, fever breaks album uh i liked it but yeah definitely i, I prefer this animal year sound uh for sure mm-hmm and, and and animal years i think is i would say like it's sort of the the it's definitely like the midpoint i think it's a transition album um because if you listen to if you listen to the album before this album hello starling and then the album after it they are crazy different mm-hmm. i mean historical conquest of josh ritter um came out in 2007 and it's i listened to it last night actually just sort of because i was I, I i knew we were talking about it and um, I was sort of thinking about how to characterize it. And I think if you listen to it, like the first, the first song and especially the second song are, it's like, it's like rock music and it's sort of, it's a little bit gritty, mm-hmm. um, heavily like electric guitars, all that kind of stuff. 
Um, and the album before it, Hello Starling, is all this very um, like chord-based acoustic guitar music. There's a couple like good finger-picking songs, um, but it's like decidedly you listen to it and you're like, oh yeah, this is like this is um, a lot of these could be co- like Bob Dylan covers. Oh. Like it's 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 good, um, and it's it's like it's a it's a very light album hello starling and the one before that golden age of radio is is also extremely that one doesn't seem to be on golden spotify Ra- i'm looking at it and yeah for some reason for some reason i, I it's not it's worth it's worth listening to it like i i i i really would if, if people like animal years I, I think it's um it's definitely worth listening to golden age of radio hello starling okay um historical conquests so it runs the world away and the beast in its tracks i think all of those are are worth listening to as albums um, that's cool yeah and, and i do and i think like what, what we hear in the animal years is this 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 transition where there's like it's still a lot of like folk acoustic instrument space but you do get these um really cool like atmospheric electric guitars sometimes mm-hmm. and a lot of organ use and also piano yeah use. that organ use specifically um, really re- did remind me of Dylan. like i hate you know, like I'm always hesitant to use that comparison when talking about any singer songwriters, you know, because <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. overused. Like, like, oh, this is very Dylan-esque. But that, I could definitely mm-hmm. see you, you saying that he was sort of inspired by some Dylan totally makes sense. Yeah. And, and I think especially this is a, I mean, it's, it kind of goes into Josh's life where so he went to Oberlin um, College and he started off uh, as a neuroscience student. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's correct or a new neurosurgery um, student. And he switched to a, self, a self-directed a self major that was called the history of the U.S. through the lens of, a, of folk music. Wow, so <laughs> that's he, so cool. So, like, he, he is, I think in some ways, like if you want to try, try to find ways to critique him as an artist or whatever, I do think um, there's sort of an eclecticism where he in a lot of ways is consciously sort of a collection of many different aspects of American folk tradition in music and otherwise. I think like, for, I mean, if we just want to start talking about a song, for example, like monster ballads, um, the third track yeah. uh, is, is basically a song about Mark Twain. Like it's, 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 it's uh, it, the, let me try to find the lyrics. Like the, there's a direct reference to like Huckleberry Finn um and jim on the river um so and it's like it's all about uh the end of like the steamboat era stuff like that mm-hmm. um and like lily in egypt for example to the fourth track um it's it's i i did i did some research and i believe that the song in in general is like a it's a mix of two references both to like old-timey um folk things one is um one is Lillian Gish, who was just apparently an actress. Okay. Um and then also it's a reference to the folk song Lily of the West. Oh um, okay. and Bob Dylan, which Bob Dylan covers on Dylan in nineteen seventy three. So yeah, like and, and, and especially on So Runs the World Away, there's a song called Folk Bloodbath, um, which is just like this over the top where he's weaving together, I think, four different like folk song narratives and and, and making the characters talk to each other and stuff like that. that okay. Um, so, that does, that sounds like so, some light career Dylan right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so before we kind of go, um, you know, in depth song by song or however you would like to do it, uh, I, mm-hmm. I think it might be worthwhile to maybe, you know, talk a little bit about 
the album like just by itself like the overview of just the album and Mm -hmm. its themes you know yeah sure um i mean first off like i guess what were you saying no i mean i was kind of curious because i am like i've listened to this album like honestly probably hundreds of times like i i have such a a, not a skewed view but like such an embedded view of it um that i'd be curious about just hearing from you like what what stood out to you um in listening to it yeah i mean i i was for for whatever reason whenever i listen to a new album i'm always like song like when i'm listening especially like folk singer songwriter stuff i'm always thinking like what in this person's life inspired him to inspire them to make these songs like what 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 mm-hmm. are they reflecting off of and i kind mm-hmm. of like couldn't really see any cohesive like themes that thread this whole album maybe I'm, i missed something right but it seems mm-hmm. a lot more like culturally reflective and stuff like that um yeah i think that's i think that's very true and yeah what, what, what do you know like the the significance of the name the animal years i know you mentions like wolves a lot um yeah no i don't know i mean i think um no i don't know the specific the specific uh significance of the of the name i do think there's a lot of i mean this is one of the things i I guess this kind of answers the first question about about just the album as a whole is that like i I think the 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 vibe in general is very interesting it's sort of it's a unique vibe in that i think there's a mellowness to it there's a calmness to it but there's also like a sort of a eeriness Mm -hmm. to it as well in in a lot of places like uh in the dark um idaho there's sort of like a um, thin blue flame is really eerie too yeah 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 so and like so you have songs like girl in the war honestly the lyrics are kind of like screwed up in a lot of ways like it's a it's a sad song but it feels sort of relaxed whatever mm-hmm. um same with same with uh one more mouth i think it's actually i think lyrically it's one of the weaker songs in the album but the the instrumentals on it are sort of this very like sun blasted um relaxed groove but yeah, I so I think the 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 vibe in general it, it 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 keeps you it's like relaxing but sort of keeps you on the edge of your seat in a lot of ways and um, I think it also lends itself to another good aspect of an album is that I think that this album is pretty conducive to any type of listening and like by that I mean you know like you know, we 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 have like our favorite albums or whatever. Um, and if I tell someone like, oh, I'm going to put on my favorite album, especially if it's like a, a dense hip hop album or something or an electronic album, like you really, I, I feel this anxiety of like, oh, you need to like listen closely to this album to like, to like really understand its, its, its brilliance. But I think um, this album benefits from close listening and you learn, you like will, will pick up new things each time. But I think it's cohesive and the 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 instrumentals are good enough where you really can just have it on in the background and it it, it sets a tone that's that's like very interesting and and nice so i think it's it's nice that you can listen to it on any different yeah you you mentioned that sometimes the instrumentals are you know more upbeat than the lyrics the lyrics could be sometimes more you Mm -hmm. know dark or whatever do you think that Mm -hmm. was a purposeful decision by him do you think he was that that sort of yeah i mean you know like the difference between those two yeah, I think like the juxtaposition, I think there's a lot of like just juxtaposition stuff. And I think that actually does tie in with the, the animal years name and specifically the wolves. Mm-hmm. Like I think the wolf song, I think the wolf song, the lyrics kind of 
articulate the, the I guess like for lack of a better term like the 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 slight weirdness to the album because in a lot of ways it does sound sort of like you listen to it and some of it does sound very vanilla like alternative folk stuff but there is just sort of a there's just sort of a weirdness to it and I think the wolf song emphasizes that and I think um I have this quote from this inter this NPR interview um Josh did about the album and they bring up this the idea of wolves and how they come up they come up um throughout the the album so he he says this uh well i wanted wolves to be in every song somehow there's such a cool mythical uneasy relationship between humans and wolves raised by wolves or running with the wolves or werewolves you know they're all sort of that easy transformation that you can make if you slowly one day you would wake up and you were just a wolf um and not that that's like that uh ex like it's not really an explanatory <laughs> statement but i think it does get it sort of like there there's an uneasiness to the album in in some ways like you don't really know where where he's coming from sometimes and i think uh if you go on like if you go online on like songmeanings.com and you sort of like look at what people are are write, writing about some of these songs you get some like really wide range of what people think these things are about. For example, um, I read one review of this guy who thinks In the Dark was written to Osama bin Laden. Yeah, I saw that um, online too. Because <laughs> it was like you're hiding in, or something. Yeah, yeah, which I which, which is like hilarious. And and you know, like there's enough um, there's enough in the song where you can kind of like there's enough where you're kind of like I mean, yeah, it's like I guess. Um, and this is like it is important to remember like this is sort of mid-aughts and there are a lot of like actually political like girl in the war is a very political mm -hmm. song and thin blue flame is as well um but it, i mean it does sort of this is this is from a different album but um uh from so runs the world away i remember in high school i would listen to it and i legitimately i mean this is i guess cringe but i legitimately thought that the song by josh Whitter might be about minecraft wait, wait, which song um, just because uh lantern um okay. Uh, so, how, yeah, how, how, so you, how, how did you think that? I mean, let me pull up the lyrics. It's like, it's about getting light, light in my lantern. And I was thinking it was about getting cold or getting cold for your, <laughs> for your torches and stuff. And it says like, it's a hungry world out there. Even the world, wind will take a bite. I can feel the world circling, sniffing around me in the night. And the lost sheep grow teeth, forsake the lambs and lie with the lions. Oh, and then here it is. This one, this, this is, I think this is probably the, uh, this is maybe the the line that I was like really like oh this is it, this is like where the living is desperate, precarious and mean and getting by so hard that even the rocks are picked clean and I was like oh it's mining so it's I mean it's just it's just his lyrics do lend themselves to a, to a wide variety of interpretations I think yeah um, wait can you still hear me sorry I think my audio might have gotten messed up there no I can hear you that is interesting uh, you know going off of that like. Is there any like particular times in your life where you've gone gone back to this album? Um, weirdly, not recently. I haven't listened to Josh Ritter consistently for for quite a while. I mean, I think this was like, <clears throat> I do think. I mean, Apple Music. It's funny because Apple Music's biography of Josh Ritter does not line up with its like uh, um, its pick of the essential album because Apple Music does list this as Josh Ritter's essential album. Mm -hmm. Um, however, their biography doesn't even mention the album and says that he hit his stride in 2007 with the release of Historical Conquest of Josh Ritter mm -hmm. and basically frames his career as as basically starting with the album after this album, which is just funny. That to is me. funny. Um, 
but no, I mean, I think, I don't know. I, I, there's, I don't think I've returned to it explicitly um, at various points. I think of it as just being a really solid, solid album. It's fun to play along with on the guitar. Um, but you're right. And I, and I think that some, it might have something to do with the fact that you're right, that this album is not super like sentimentally emotional. Like there's one, there's maybe like what, one or two sort of normal, like conventional ish folk love songs like here at the right time sort of is um one more mouth sort of is and good man sort of is i guess good good man here at the right time are sort of the only two that are like you know sort of your conventional emotional dealing with relationships or love songs and so the rest is much more sort of reflective and and uh narrative based or 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 whatever um I think the only Josh Ritter album that is that's like super super emotionally reflective is the Beast in Its Tracks, which he uh, um, wrote right after his divorce. And not to bring up Dylan again, but literally in the description of the album, it says the the title of Beast in the Tracks, of course, bears a striking resemblance to Bob Dylan's alleged divorce album, Blood on the Tracks. Okay. Um, so that album, I think, is is quite emotional. I think I have listened to that more in like times when i've been feeling down or, or or sad about things but animal years I, I i i think i don't it doesn't evoke like um personal emotions in in me i think i think it, it is more, more of like a philosophical it makes me it makes me like think about shit i mm-hmm. guess yeah it is interesting um so do you want to go maybe like a little bit more in depth on individual songs uh, starting off like Maybe in Girl in the War, or would you like to go more? Just keep doing some overview stuff. No, I mean, let me just see what else I have written about the album in in as a whole. I mean, I think that's generally. I guess just some some um, some just general thoughts, um, but then I think yeah, moving into individual individual songs is good. Um, I think it, it's just interesting to pay attention to the instrumentation. I think like piano plays a really big role in this album, um, and I I laid out two moments or two solos and two songs so like the Lillian Egypt solo at two minutes is sick I, I remember having my piano teacher teach me that when I was in high school and then also the monster ballad solo at uh, 214 is also just um, really folksy kind of bluesy um, I think it's a really good moment and then the piano in general as a, as a prominent instrument in here at the right time and wolves I think is, is awesome because I think it's it's sort of rare to have folk music where piano is um, you know like a uh, the main rhythm the main rhythm instrument where you would usually have acoustic guitar or whatever and let and it not be like a super um low-key song like i think i tend to think of like the the piano folk songs as being very you know these sparse minor chords and and a sad voice rather than sort of the upbeat um indignant parts of like the the josh ritter stuff so um that's that i think there's a general mellowness mellowness to it um then sure. there's some instrument instrumental uses for example in girl in the war um the they it's sort of a conventional rock beat but they use uh he uses a snare without the actual snares on it so it sound it's sort of this open sound um i think the album feels much longer to me than it is it's for only it's only 49 minutes but to me it feels much longer um whereas each of the songs actually feels kind of shorter like i'm surprised that none of the songs on the album are less than three minutes and 20 seconds um yeah so that's one thing um 
I think I think the the it's difficult to nail down the particular meaning of a lot of songs or lines, but what that does is it means that it has a lot of re-listen value. I think you can come back to it as many times as you want, and you sort of will get something new out of the lyrics. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's sort of the the more general stuff I just I wanted to talk about. And do you know do you do you remember the first time you listened to this album? No, <clears throat> definitely not. <clears throat> Excuse me, because I would have been in in elementary school. Sorry, I have to take a drink because I have mafia in my throat. Oh yeah. Is this a good mate album? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I don't know how you could have a I don't know how you could have a bad mate <laughs> album, um, but it it, it is. Um, so, no, I don't remember when I first listened to it, but I do. I mean, I think I think my, my friends and I, a few of my friends and I in high school were all very into Josh Ritter, and I and I and I do remember the sort of the era when we started like thinking about albums as units rather than a collection of songs and i do remember this one being you know we 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 talked about this one as as an album like a lot um and i think like there are some definitely like like bangers on here like sort of standout songs but in general um probably with the exception of thin blue flame none of these songs would be like in my top five josh ritter but songs, then blue flame um, is which i guess your, is in your top five I, it would be hard for me to to do it <laughs> it's basically it's that's the only one that i think could possibly could possibly be in my top five i love here. that song i'm not sure it kind of reminds me of like yeah. sort of like the angsty neil young sort of you know when he just sort mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. just going off ranting about stuff but like in a, in a cool way yeah no totally so uh yeah so i think like basically i did it was it was sort of like the first this was the first album that i ever experienced where i was like oh you can have yet the idea that an album is more than a collection of its like is more than the sum of its songs yeah this was sort of the album that 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 uh which is obviously now a very important part of like how i listen to music so that i guess it does have that significance okay I, the, the first song, Girl in the War, um, that's like, I think that's the only song in the album that I had heard previously to before you picked this album. I don't mm-hmm. really remember exactly mm-hmm. when I heard it, but um, I, I like it. And that's sort of one of those where it seems to be reflective of the time period that it came out in. Like, still during the Bush era, you know, looking at the Iraq War, which is interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, it is, it, it is, it, it, it might be like, I would say in, until recently, this was, it was definitely his like most well-known song. Like it's, it's sort of the song, like the Josh Hutter song I would hear on the radio sometimes was, was Girl in the War. And it's a great song and, and it's very catchy and, um, it sounds nice. Um, let me see if I have anything written about it. Um, yeah, I think like. The what I get out of it is that sort of um, it's expressing frustration with like the inability of of people in in charge and power to actually you know make any change. I don't think it's that deep of a of a sentiment. It's just sort of frustration about mm-hmm. um, 
you know the evil state of things um but yeah it's a good song um it's how, how would I don't know what how would you like it. classify uh, his politics from what you know yeah i um i mean i think like he was very he was against you know the against the iraq war um I think he has interest. He writes about politics interestingly, and I think he writes about religion in relation to politics and power in relation to politics in, in, in cool ways. Um, I mean, I think he's like, you know, I don't think he's super political. I, I did see that he gave a concert for the Center for American Progress at some oh, really? point, which uh, which hurt me a little bit. But I, I mean, I just don't think I think he thinks about politics, but I don't think um I don't I, I don't think I would describe him as like an activist musician mm-hmm. um, in any sort of way. I think he, uh, you know, is reflective of, of things, but but doesn't necessarily um, he doesn't center politics. I don't think. OK. You, you mentioned the when, when like the religious and like he talked interesting ways he talks about religion, like on that song, he mm-hmm. talks about like Peter and Paul and everything like that. Mm-hmm. That, and you, you mm-hmm. said that you he went to your your grandpa's church your grandparents church mm-hmm. church mm-hmm. Do, do, do you think yeah. so is he like is he lutheran or yeah i think he i i don't know if he is still um like i don't know if he goes to, i don't know if he goes to church regularly I, I mean he's he's definitely culturally lutheran which is how i have also described myself at some points um but I don't think he, I don't, he does not strike me as a particularly like devout or, uh, you know, like a lot of, like, for example, in Thin Blue Flame, like, I mean, there's a, uh, what's the line? One second. Yeah. I mean, like, this is a line from, um, Thin Blue Flame. He said, if God's up there, he's in a cold, dark room. The heavenly hosts are just the cold, dark moons. He bent down and made the world in seven days. And every, ever since he's been walking away um so you know it's not he's he's not exactly he's not like a sufian type of person who's incorporating like you know praise music essentially in in his in his in his music i don't i think he has a a general you know he doesn't he doesn't evoke like a lot of um christian theorizing his music i think he he thinks about them as concepts but he doesn't seem to be a super uh, like the belief part doesn't seem to be super important to his music. Okay, that's interesting. It's interesting also that you brought up the Sufyan thing because I, I was actually going to ask about that. So yeah, Sufyan definitely is more devout, <laughs> and uh, he incorporates it more like from a, like that perspective into <clears throat> his work. But I mean, they were writing mm-hmm. this these this stuff at similar time in a certain part of the country mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Uh, yeah, wait, where's Sufyan from? He's from the Midwest somewhere. Um, I th- mm-hmm. um, let me look it up real quick. Cause, well, because Joshua's from Idaho. Oh. So, I, so, though he went to school in the Midwest, so so that's, oh, that's yeah. that. Okay. Yeah, Sufyan's from uh, Michigan. Gotcha. Um, so, but yeah, so Girl in the War. I, oh, go oh ahead. I was just going to say, if, we, if we, were, we were done with the song, we can move on. Uh, but yeah, if you had something more to say. Yeah, no, not really. I mean, I think it's like a really, I think the music is really good. I think the lyrics are interesting. Um, there's like good imagery, like the the over 
eyes are eyes are overflowing like champagne i think is nice and um you know it's it's a good song but i i don't think it's uh I think it is, is I, I assume this was one of like the lead singles for the album. It's it's definitely more of a um, a thing to get you hooked. Like, you know, it's a it's a it's a classic like first song of an album song that tries to get you just, you know, in, in the groove. Yeah. And then it moved on um, to, yeah. Yeah, uh, to uh, Wolves, which is the second yeah. song. Yeah. yeah, I really like this song. I um once again it, this one seems like it should be sort of obvious what it's about like it's it's basically throughout this whole thing throughout the song it's sort of juxtaposing this relationship that he has with hearing wolves and then eventually the wolves are all around him in his house you know there's a sort of this prepositional funny like wolves in the piano wolves underneath the stairs wolves inside the hinges circling around my door um and then at the end, he talks about, you know, it's clear that this relationship that we that's laid out at the beginning is over. Um, so, so the wolves are I don't know, sort the of wolf- like an image about like the end of something coming, or yeah, like yeah, like a a forbearing of disaster, or maybe just like problems, like trouble. I guess I don't know. I mean, it's it's. It's. You, I don't think you can pin it down exactly, but the, the, it's. It's. It seems a, a fairly like um, heavy-handed metaphor for something. Um, okay. But yeah, one thing I do like in the music um, on this is the there's. I forget where it is in the song, but at one point that he introduces like these little yips. I, I think that this. I think it's just instrument. I don't think it's actually a recording of wolves, but it, it is this sort of. Uh, in and I think I think. Uh, hmm. I think it's yeah, it's somewhere in there. Second, in the second half of the song, somewhere it, it goes into this sort of interesting thing where you can hear little wolf yips in there. That's cool. And and cool do you know what thing. instrument is used to make that noise? No, I have no clue. I mean, I, honestly, it could be a recording of wolves, but it just doesn't sound like it sounds like very controlled to me. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I, I I have no idea. It just it's it just adds a nice texture to the song. Um, yeah, and I think I mean I think it does exemplify because he talked about how important wolves were to the album, or at least the idea of wolves. I think it's a helpful, helpful song to to think about that. And the piano itself, I really like too. The 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 lead piano. This is also a song I like learned when I was in high school because I just thought it was cool and 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 would play it. All right. So the next album, Monster Ballads. We talked a little bit about this already. You said that it's. Uh... It references, you know, the American imagery, and is it that's this one, right? That talks about Mark Twain and stuff. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, I lo- I mean, this is probably this song is is definitely one of my favorite songs in the album. Um, Why is that? I, it's like it's the it, it just there's just a feeling to it that I think is like the classic sort of American adventure like sentimental adventure sort of thing um that's not a very specific description but there's just something that feels very um calm yet also adventurous and yet wistful um to it, it do you think it's um, very nostalgic about the time when that was, that was like Huck Finn and everything was written or is it just looking at it um, just in the general american landscape I, 
Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the, the, the character, I, I think the, um, he's playing a character and I don't, I don't think it's necessarily like him being, you know, I don't think he, he is like sentimental for steamboat days, <laughs> but I think the, the character he's, the narrator he's playing, um, is, and there was a, like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's the, the first verse I think lays out sort of there's sort of like double meanings in that a little bit where there's like um he, the, the song is both about m music sort of and also <laughs> steamboats and and stuff like that like the first the first verse the radio waves are coming are coming miles and miles bringing only empty boats whatever feeling they had when they sailed somehow slipped out between the notes so he's using like he's he's talking both about radio waves um and boats mm -hmm. and then in the first two stanzas they're not necessarily the same thing but in in the second two lines where it says whatever whatever feeling they had when they sailed somehow slipped out between the notes which doesn't like it doesn't make sense unless you're sort of drawing the ideas together and so it's okay it's 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 just it's just interesting how he's sort of tying together these these ideas. So the, like the radio um, waves and the boats, you know, like that's sort of like the similarity between like wave and boat, that imagery is there. Um, yeah. And then I'll, and I guess also the last verse when it says, this is the Huckleberry Finn thing. And, and I was thinking about my river days. I was thinking about me and Jim passing Cairo on a getaway with every steamboat like a hymn. Hmm. So once again, it's sort of talking about just blurring the lines between you know the american tradition of steamboating and then music in general mm -hmm. um so yeah it's just it's just uh it's just it's just a, it's a really beautiful song too the music i think is um amazing and and one thing i, I noticed when i was like sort of doing close listening that i've never really noticed is that um midway through the song i think it's near the beginning the uh is the song starts with this really interesting organ um kind of fade in um, and an organ sort of plays the the role of the main chordal instrument for the first bit, but then it, it changes to piano, and that and that change to the piano is a really like noticeable moment. Um, that that just it, it's it, it it's a, just a beautiful moment. I think it changes the, the feeling and it sort of gets the song in its groove. There's, that's just one moment in the song that I think is is really. Um, beautiful where in the song um, does that come about that change let me see i can uh let's see let me see So I think it's uh, I think it's at one fifty six, a little bit around okay. there, and it's, I think it's also the beginning of the bridge, um, oh, okay. and that's when it, and that's when it, then also right after that is the the piano solo that I think is is super good at at, at like two fourteen I think. That's cool. Uh, from like I mean you you make music. Uh, mm -hmm. Have you ever tried to make any stuff that's 
kind of like Josh Ritter or has it ever inspired anything that you've made? Yeah, I mean, I would say not so much my own like per, like solo creation just because I, you know, I'm not that good at any of these instruments. But I was in a folk rock band in um, high school, like with just with my friends. And we we played uh, like Harrisburg, which is on the Golden Age of Radio, was like one of our probably like the bread and butter song for us. We played this sort of upbeat, um, more rock oriented version that he that he plays uh, that Josh plays in like live performances and i mean it, it, honestly the song is, is now like sort of uh you know metabolized into a meme like we, we, i still like it i don't listen to it because i've just played it so many damn times <laughs> um but we but we also we played uh we also played um uh to the dogs or whoever which is the first song on the, on the next album historical conquest of josh Ritter. um so yeah i don't think i mean in some ways, when I uh, when I have been listening to it, I do think um, aspects of the music. I think maybe maybe to some degree that the way he constructs chords has rubbed off on me, but that is sort of just normal folk mm-hmm. stuff. Um, I think he uses organs in a way that I really wish I could use organs, um, mostly because he has like actual he uses real organs and uh, organs on organs on uh, you know in logic or whatever digital midi thing you're using are just not going to sound as good um but yeah i mean i think also his writing i think i i I would like to be able to write like write words like him um but that's just you know i mean i i don't think i i don't think i've done enough of it to really say that he's had an influence on it because i I, that would be speaking too highly of my writing yeah i mean that's cool though. Uh, so is he like sole writer on all of his songs, or does he write with other people? Oh yeah, no. I I would assume he is the the sole writer. I mean, I, he he does have a band called the Royal City Band, um, which is refer or I think I'm not sure what's based on what or if they're both based on something else. But uh, in Thin Blue Flame, he talks about Royal City. So yeah, he has a band. Um, the members change sometimes his bassist zach hickman is awesome um he's really the only member of the band that i like sort of know um in his own right um but yeah i think he he writes all of his own songs that makes sense just hearing it it really sounds like very consistent throughout so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so uh would you like to move on to the next song lillian egypt yeah sure this song is this is definitely like the most um upbeat high energy song in a, in a positive way i mean i think good man is also sort of happy and thin blue flame is is intense but like this is the most like um i don't know exuberant song on the album um and and it's it's like really a funny song i don't think it's it's not, it's not that it's not one of the more like deep symbolic songs but uh it's just funny it's it's the, the it's sort of this narrative um of the narrator um, coming upon uh, this girl or this woman um, in, in Illinois um, and it's just like this it's just like it's sort of like a very western influence it feels it feels like it could be the 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 set like the opening theme to a, like a western movie <laughs> yeah. um, and so like the first the, the first thing is like I remember back in Illinois I found her the lily of the valley the lily of the west was a rose the daughter of the biggest big town banker. He kept her like a princess. I stole her like the Fort Knox gold. Um, 
so yeah it's just it's just funny um and then it ends up they're, they're going out west and she sort of leaves the narrator behind um for like the 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 acting life for the fame um and yeah and so and so it's it's based off a folk song and a real person the real person i don't think has that much similarities with the with the uh the song but the 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 song lily of the west is about i think a guy falling in love with somebody going out west and then them i think the 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 girl leaving the the narrator interesting do you know why it's lily in egypt as the name of the song no so i mean so this is the other weird thing there's a lot of because wait does he talk about Cairo in this one no the the he, this it's another just kind of one of the there might be a reason that i that i don't know of but like there is just a lot of he references cairo but cairo the town in illinois that's on the um ohio river i think because that is uh that's a part of huckleberry finn um yeah cairo illinois um that's a part of huckleberry finn where they 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 float through cairo um okay and he does then he there's, mention there's Illinois a, at the beginning okay. of the song, or is that a different one? Right, exact, exactly. No, it, well, yeah, it's you know, back in Illinois. I remember back in Illinois, I found her. Um, but there's also in another song, we were, I think maybe Monster Ballads. He talks about pyramids. There's there's one that's with pyramids. Um, so and then and then there's a whole. He has a whole song, um, one of his most famous songs, "Officer Runs the World Away," um, called "The Curse," um, which is about an archaeologist falling in love with a mummy from <laughs> egypt that sounds cool. and so so there there it's sort of like this um it's a theme i guess <laughs> it's just sort of some egypt shit going on sometimes i honestly don't know and also just like the 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 word structure itself uh is strange i mean let me see is is lillian yeah the way he writes his lyrics is very unique i i haven't really mm -hmm. seen very many other folk singers that write like this specifically mm-hmm so yeah i mean it's, it's just weird there's also like there's a person it's just like there's there was a person named lillian trasher who was a christian missionary to egypt mm -hmm. and was known as the the nile so and she was american so it's just weird like it's just there's there's just a lot of layered possible references in it but um i really like lillian egypt and that and that piano solo too um at two minutes is is just like uh, a really good coda and and opens things up it's one of my favorite favorite moments of the song definitely that's cool it's cool that there's like piano solos i know you mentioned it earlier but yeah that's not generally what you <laughs> expect in this type of music mm -hmm. um so mm -hmm. the next song is idaho on the album and yeah this this is like a really it's it's definitely like the the barest song in the album um it's it's like a very like people really like this song and and I and I do like it. I I don't think I like it as much as as other people do. I sort of think this style of song I think he does better on previous albums. Um but the the lyrics are really good. Um but I think uh I don't know. I mean, it's about Idaho, it's about place. I think that that's actually another I guess a a, a thing worth bringing up that I think um I think Josh's songs like just the idea of place and like context are very important throughout his his songs like he has 
he has a lot of songs about places like in so runs the world away there's a song called southern pacifica which is just sort of vaguely about the northwest um but there's lots of like very specific references to places and things Mm -hmm. um in in that region um so it's where i think it's worth bringing up and he has like a song on um um uh, the 2015 one see uh sermon on the rocks called henrietta indiana Mm -hmm. which is a it's a made up i think it's a made up place um but yeah just the idea of place i think this is a, a classic place song it's just a song about idaho and what it means to him. And I wolves, guess. too, again. Uh, mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. last part of the song uh, really reminded me of the Monster Ballad song as well, where it's talking about, like, I just like the imagery of the words, and it talks about um, words that turned, uh, what did he, where does he say it? Um, turn the wind to gravel roads. Yeah, and turn the mast to cedar trees and the wind to gravel roads. Idaho, oh. Idaho. Mm-hmm. It's just really... I don't know. I don't know exactly what he's trying to get at, but um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, is he, he's not from Idaho, is he? Or yeah, you know, he is from he's from okay. Idaho. That's where my grandparents okay. live. So, um, yeah, that last verse is really good. And then, like, like the I guess one line in here that I think is very classic, Josh Ritter is the the packs of dogs and cigarettes for those who ain't done packing yet. Um, my clothes are packed and I want to go Idaho, Idaho. So just like, just kind of like some wordplay, like talking about different, you know, just playing with the word packs and, and stuff like that. Um, so it's a, it's a really, it's like a really haunting song. It's definitely one of the ones that's, that's, that straddles the line between like uneasy and um, mellow. It's, it's, it is a, it's a very interesting song. And when he does it, he did, when he plays it live, it's very good. It seems like um, he's like, I think trapped or something. I don't know. Because it's like, because he's yeah. on the boat and then the, I don't know. I don't know the story of it, but you, you were saying something about the live version. Yeah, no, it, it's, 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 when you, at least when I've seen, I've seen him live quite a few times and, and almost always he does, he has the full band and they're, they're super good. It's very tight, like tight music. They're like, they're, the band plays really, really well together. But then almost always uh, there's like a, like kind of intermission where, the re- the whole the band leaves the stage and he plays probably like three or four or five solo acoustic songs and he usually will play Idaho and it's and it's 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 a, it's a nice experience. That's cool. So um, let's move on to In the Dark. Mm-hmm. This is the one that's definitely um, about Osama bin Laden. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. No. And it's funny because I I definitely do. This one seems like the specifics of it are not clear to me, but it does to me just seem like um, sort of just the experience of, of, of the imaginary experience of going through someone's brain or someone's soul who is depressed or withdrawn or something. Um, Cause it's, it's, and it's just a sweet, it's a sweet song. I really like the, the lyrics in here and the imagery, like the, the caves. I, I do just picture it like, you know, um, I don't know, search, searching through someone's mind uh, that you care about and trying, sort of trying to get them, get them back in the real world, um, trying to, trying to help them out somehow. Yeah, yeah, I see that. That is really nice. Don't you? Yeah. I think, I think my favorite line. Let me see. I think it's my favorite line. Um, 
yeah is probably the we saw your old flames and some were burning yet it made us smile to see how just just how well tended each was kept um which to me is, is sort of i mean I, it could be about like flames as in like old relationships or whatever but i just think of it as like um like in in this in this idea of someone being depressed or withdrawn or not sort of out in the real world like seeing how uh you know there's still there's still the things that make the person them them and make them special and uh like give them passion yeah that is that is do you think this is like a love song or is it just about maybe someone that he so do you think it's about any, anybody in particular or is it just sort of like something you want to write yeah I have I have no clue who it's about in particular. The th the thing that makes me think it's not necessary like ne it's definitely it's not necessarily like a romantic thing is that it's written in like the third person collective where it's saying like oh mm -hmm. yeah like in throughout the entire song, um like we tell like like we thought you were saying but the halo was I we started looking for you we had a lot of love we thought would light the way we saw we saw we saw it made us smile so like it's it's i i think of it as i see it sort of as like a you know a group of friends um trying to help out a, another friend who's having who's having a yeah. tough time um just but only because only because of uh the that the specific pronouns they yeah, use yeah no definitely purposeful that's interesting uh, <clears throat> okay yeah i think that's pretty much okay. that one. so one more mouth um, you said this is one that could be a love song, right? Uh, yeah, one second. <coughs> Sorry. Stupid mate. <laughs> um, I remember having I I remember having this problem when we when we did insurrect the record when I was having mate I would just like choke for a long time. Also at my job when I would be <laughs> talking to insurance companies. Are you drinking Canarias? Is that why? No, I well no, I'm drinking uh the 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 citrus oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, that stuff's good. Um, but it it does have some it has some dust dusty bits in it. Um yeah, one more mouth. Honest honestly this I I think lyrically is one of like the the weaker songs. Um there's there's like some really nice imagery in it, but um and I I shouldn't say weaker. I just don't personally like I'm I'm not like blown away by the lyrics as much as some of the other songs like uh like Monster Ballads and Thin Blue Flame and and um In the Dark honestly too. It seems pretty straightforward. The, yeah. But the the music, I think the music on this one is 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 one of my favorites. It is this especially after In the Dark which I I do actually think has some sort of like eerie bad vibes even though it's ostensibly kind of hopeful mm -hmm. like i think in the dark is kind of an intense song and to come after that with this um the just like just the guitar in the song i think is so like relaxing it sort of just feels like you're just like laying down in the sun somewhere um yeah i i i i, I the beginning of the song it just feels really good and then um let's see when the the drums come in at some point and when the drums come in it really just takes it to the next level. I think it happens at like uh, two minutes and four seconds. Yeah, and then, yeah, that's right. I just listened to it. Yeah, so I think um, I really like the music on this song. I, I I don't think it's my favorite lyrical song, but I I find it to be a, like super relaxing and uh, soothing. When you when you see him live, does he 
does he do like does he go off of like what's on the record does he like sort of jam out in the songs i imagine he probably does yeah on some of them and he has it's funny because uh there's a couple particular things that he does that are um consistent like there's certain ways he does certain live songs um for example harrisburg uh harrisburg he turns into like a super super long song and he tells he tells like i'll send i'll send you a, a link to one of the live versions but he'll tell like an entire story in sort of like a spoken word thing over like a little like groove in the background mm. um and then um sometimes he like incorporates like 80s songs into it it's, it's just it's yeah so he does he he is i think a super good live performer and he he plays in in minneapolis quite okay. often so if you yeah. ever get the chance um you should definitely go and i would i would definitely like to go as cool. well um trying to think of other stuff it's it, it definitely depends on the concert because i've seen him do like solo acoustic i've seen him do like band acoustic and then i've seen him do like full electric band with like you know different like four different organs and like you know a lot a lot of different mm -hmm. stuff four organs that was a lie there he had four organs <laughs> yeah well not like four organists but like you know you come out and there's like you know four different keyboards out on the stage and like the the piano player plays all of them but he's just it's just a really complex arrangement that's cool stuff. so should we move on to good man yeah sure um this this is i think definitely the the second most like commercially popular song on the album um it's like i don't know it's kind of a feel good it's it's more poppy um this song i this song i think is very similar to the um to hello starling the album before this is this is like the most hello starling-esque i think on this album how so um, the the um just the instrumentation or like just the themes he's talking about honestly not even the instrumentation because the piano still is so centric in it um but i don't know i mean you should it's like his this the it's very similar to sort of the same vibe as the songs kathleen and snow is gone um and like bright smile on on the the song the album before it. and and i really like that album um it's it's definitely less of like it's less of like a i think it's less of an immersive album in part due to the production and in part due to the songwriting mm -hmm. but this song I think would would fit in well with the album with 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 Hello Starling. It's it's sort of it sort of has like a bit of a of a poppy feel. It's you know, it's written in the second person about like a a, a romantic interest. Mm -hmm. Um it's got sort of a like a very catchy refrain. I think that's one thing about this this song or this album is that the 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 line between chorus and verse is not always super clear um and the choruses themselves aren't always like super it, it's not like the sort of it's not used musically in the same way as a lot of a lot of songs do where the chorus comes in you're like oh okay we're back on the groove it's like sort of this this you know refrain where you're where you're always sort of waiting for the chorus to come in um Whereas this song, Good Man, I think does have that, even though the rest of the album doesn't. Like the chorus is very, um, 
yeah, I don't know. I think that's 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 what I would say about it. It's a good song though. It's it's very catchy. Yeah. Uh, what was I gonna say? Uh, it it kind of reminds me of John Prine a little bit, just the way he wrote, right? So. Hmm. Yeah. No, th- th- I think that makes sense. Um. Yeah. So let's maybe move on to the next best for the best. Yeah. This is um. Let me try. Let's see. What do I have written about this? I I like the song. Um it's it's this one i think is more it's more lyric based it's the the music is is not super centric mm-hmm. to it um honestly i really i have no idea what the song is about like the lyrics don't really make any sense to me it's like sort of autobi it's like a it's like sort of autobiographical not actually for josh but it's it also it's he, he oh yeah here's here yeah so he brings up illinois again um brings up the mississippi river again yep and then and then and then and then it talks another about a boat <laughs> so it's about a steamboat okay. i mean this 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 song is, is also about a steamboat and then he talks about being the cairo crown a heavyweight wrestler in the midwest towns so clearly they're the um, same similar themes are running you know throughout this whole album yes yep yep it's like the american history thing but i don't really understand like it doesn't seem like it to be a, a very there's i don't see the consistent like i don't see like the 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 main theme of the song so much it's it's it sort of seems historical and and vaguely um romantic i do like this line though it's just like a um the thing about the the um the mid mid the heavyweight wrestler where it says i spent a few years as the cairo crown a heavyweight wrestler in the midwest towns but i was a lonesome for a girl who could pin me down which i think is just just a funny little little uh play on words um yeah no it's it's a nice song it's very very uh pleasant i guess Um, going off of like the whole like you know the reoccurring image of like the steamboat in the rivers just looking at the album mm-hmm. cover it's like this horse on a log floating down mm-hmm. a river mm-hmm. um do you think yeah you're totally yeah, right i don't know do you think that has any significance yeah i i think that's that's very likely i i never really thought about that i i've always i mean the the album art it's it's like i the album art is kind of crazy like i've never really seen album art yeah. like, it was it like a all. hole in the back of the horse or something yeah yeah yeah, no, it's 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 extremely trippy, but also it like somehow, it somehow like passes as not looking insane. I think because the colors are sort of, there's not like extreme. It's not like extremely colorful or something, so it sort of makes you gloss over it. But it is, it's an insane painting. It's it's very kind of reminds me of like in the aeroplane over the sea, sort of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That look, guy, I mean, I it just that. looks the album album cover looks similar, mm-hmm. similarly trippy as well um so did we talk about best for we, yeah we, we talked about best for the best is there anything more you'd like to add yeah, to that right. or, or should we go to thin no I, I don't I, I don't think so yeah i mean thin blue flame is i think the, the definitely the densest or not even densest it's the it's like the most profound song on the album i think by kind of a lot i think it's it is uh it's extremely long like it's like nine minutes yeah. and it doesn't really change that much in terms of music it's the same chord progression for pretty much the whole time um the instrumentation changes up a little bit you get like the th- thundering pianos sometimes stuff like that um 
but it really is it's like a it's like a it's like a dissertation but but it's like really beautiful poetry yeah definitely do you do you know like what the significance of a thin blue flame is to this song because he kept he says i became a thin blue flame over and over again mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think um i think of the thin blue flame as sort of being like the the low burning flame like uh it's it's a it's sort of insignificant in some ways but also is still there um i don't know i mean i think i don't know exactly what it what it's supposed to mean but it's it is this sort of image of um a a presence that's like very definitive like a flame for a flame to exist there needs to be sort of like this you know some source of it needs to have fuel and stuff it has to like sort of there's requirements for its existence, but it's, it is saying a thin blue flame is pretty much like to say the absolute smallest amount of fire you could possibly have and still call it fire. Yeah, that's true. And he has these little vignettes oh. that uh, are thrown throughout here and sort of reflect that as well. Yeah, no, the song, I mean, I actually texted, I texted my, um, high school friends about this because i was just trying to remember what people thought this was about i mean um i have a friend sean who i think you've met who thought about he he always thought the song was about um someone who was on death row being executed by the government for like um sort of preaching or or spreading uh ideas that were not conducive with the, the the power structure at hand um I can see some of that stuff. I sort of, I definitely see it as at least like the, at least the first big chunk of it being about, uh, you know, like imperialism and war. Like I think um, the, I mean, probably my favorite verse of the song, the most powerful I think is the, um, the, the one that starts with border soft. Yeah, definitely um so i can just read a bit of it because i think it, almost all of it is is beautiful and, and and definitely political um so it says borders soft with refugees streets are swimming with amputees it's a bible or a bullet they put over your heart it's getting harder and harder to tell them apart the days are nights and the nights are long beating hearts blossom into walking bombs and those still looking in the clear blue sky for a sign get missiles from so high they might as well be divine and now the dogs are howling at your door singing about vengeance like it's the joy of the lord bringing justice to the enemies not the other way around they're guilty where they're killed and they're killed where they're found if what's loosed on earth will be loosed up on high it's a hell of a heaven we must go to when we die or even laurel begs hardy for vengeance please the fat man's crying on his hands and his knees back in the peacetime he got roses on the stage now he twists indecision takes bourbon for rage that's really powerful yeah. It kind of reminds me of like yeah. uh, some Dylan songs from like his early days, you know, like um, mm-hmm. Masters of War, sort of. Yeah, no, I think I think totally. I mean, I think like I think it, it, it this this verse in particular is like very much I feel like about you know imperialism mm-hmm. and, and the Iraq War and stuff like that. I think like um, 
the line about uh, and those still looking in the clear blue sky for a sign get missiles from so high they might as well be divine. Um, I think this literally was written before this even happened. Um, but I think there's sort of a famous interview. Um, maybe it's an Afghani. Let me, um, let me see. Let me just check this up. Yeah, the whole the whole like framing of you know war with this religious I, this religious ideology is pretty interesting, and mm. for this time, mm. especially in the news, I know. I mean, I was looking back. I I, don't, I mean, I don't remember when I was living that when I was like you know nine years old, but I know a lot of this the war and this war the war in Iraq and Afghanistan was sort of framed by a lot of these conservatives as like almost mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. another um what, what is the word another crusade, crusade. yeah mm -hmm. it's it's interesting and then the bible or the bullet they put over yeah. your heart yeah yeah that that line is, is amazing too but yeah i just found what i was looking up um there's this quote and it's from 2013 um and it's a heart i've seen i've seen it sort of like um you know made into a meme sort of uh blasting obama um, but it's this, it's this Atlantic article that says this 13 year old is scared when the sky is blue because of drones. And there's this quote from from um, this Pakistani boy who says, I no longer love blue skies. In fact, I now prefer, prefer gray skies. The drones do not fly when the skies are gray. Um, and like literally, it's so scary. You know, this 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 line was written five years before, but it, it says the line and those still looking in the clear blue sky for a sign get missiles from so high. They might as well be divine, which is it's just a, it's sort of. The, the themes are so similar and even the language is, is really similar. Yeah. Definitely. And then, so, so the song in general is very intense. Um, it builds, it builds to this sort of this climax. In instrumentation um, is mirrored is like that as well, where it's increasing and bubbling mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. And then it, it breaks um starting with i woke beneath a clear blue sky it, it 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 sort of goes away and i it does it makes it feel it makes it seem like this the entire song is a dream up until oh. then um because it says at the end it, and like basically and if you listen to the to the to the music the the when it's when it's like it sort of builds up and then it breaks and, and, and it goes down to this like much more um bare instrumentation and then what you get during the I heard my friends laughing out across the fields you get this new guitar pattern um that is sort of just this it's just sort of this um are ar like like ar arpeggio I can't arpe arpeggio I haven't said that word in a long time <laughs> arpeggio of, of 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 major chords that sounds sort of like it's the it's like the end of a of a of a scary movie or something or like things are are looking up like it's sort of like this it's 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 more of a, a relieving soothing feel and let me see when, when exactly that happens um yeah so it, it looks like it's like building up around 550 whatever it's like the most intense intense music um and then i think right about six minutes yeah oh wait right yeah like 605 the tension breaks and it goes to this you know, much more isolated electric electric guitar, just strumming, and then he starts singing, and then you start to get this little little arpeggio that that 
that is light is light and it feels all like kind of happy and relieving um and and he's then and then he's describing the entire song up until that point is him describing all of this like really like fantastically awful violent horrible shit mm-hmm. um and then at the end and and they're all sort of ideas it's, it's all sort of vague and and in his head um but then then when you get um this last verse it starts to be it starts to be like a you know things around you he starts describing things that he can see and feel that are normal um and it makes me think of like a a technique to get out of panic attacks which is like i forget the exact term for it but it's like a grounding Mm -hmm. where when 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 you start to panic or feel um detached and out of control you just start looking at things um and you know looking at the things around you and, and reminding yourself of like the material reality and and like stability that you exist in and it's just it you end up with this i woke beneath a clear blue sky the sun a shout the breeze a sigh the old hometown the streets i knew wrapped up in a royal blue i heard my friends laughing out across the fields girls in the gloaming and the birds on the wheel i looked up i don't i don't know i didn't know what gloaming meant but it's apparently like the time it's like the golden hour basically like you know early, early evening in the summer uh, the raw smell of horses and the warm smell of hay, cicadas electric in the heat of the day. This the right here, this little play on words. I don't even know why he's doing it, but it's it's really interesting. Uh, it's this he it's this he's describing things he can see, and for some reason he just incorporates a lot of um, poker and card playing puns into the line. Yeah. I don't really know why, but it says a, a run of three sisters and the flush oh, yeah. of the land, and the lake was a diamond in the valley's hand the straight of the highway and the scattered out hearts they were coming together they were pulling apart which is just like it's just it's 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 just this sort of like meta level of like i I don't even think there's anything about the song that's about poker or cards but it's just like this and i and i i I had never realized that that's what that was until i was listening yeah um, totally like doing close listening you 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 would never like you would i think it would be hard to actually like find the find the the analogies unless you were like reading the lyrics yeah definitely um the last line uh well before the only a full house he talks about like heaven so big there ain't no need to look up so i stopped looking for royal cities mm-hmm. in the air only a full house gonna have a prayer another poker reference mm-hmm. also but also mm-hmm. oh yeah oh my gosh yeah that's an i i i did not even see that um but Wow. Yeah. So this whole, all, all, everything post woke up in a blue sky seems sort of to have that <clears throat> poker idea to it for some mm-hmm. reason. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I don't. Uh, so it seems like maybe he's having like a crisis of faith or something. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, I think that is part of it. Like, I think it's, and I think it's being triggered by, um, you know, how fucked up the world mm-hmm. is. Uh, yeah, I think, I think it's sort of like a disassociative thing. He's thinking, he's thinking about how horrible and violent the world can be, and sort of being pissed off at God for allowing it to happen. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think there's, I think it, you know, I think we, we we're still living, we're living in a a worse version of the world in which Joshua wrote this song. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think the, like the, 
the line because it's a hell to believe there ain't a hell of a chance is uh is is pretty pressing it feels like i like i think that that sense of just like believing that there's really no way for the world to get better and that things are just going to get gradually worse over mm -hmm. time um is something that i definitely definitely yeah. relate to um and i think the he says i fell I, in role said i fell into a trance and i think it's like that's definitely relatable of just wanting to withdraw forget about things yeah and then he kind of, through that like anxiety of just looking at the world it seems like his response is just to like look around and be happy about your local community or something or, i don't know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i mean yeah i don't know if it's prescriptive or it's just describing like what happened to him oh, but that definitely yeah. his, he's being he's no I, I i think it's a good point i, I just don't like i it's it's he's definitely feeling grounded or uh, he's feeling yeah it's it's he's he's taken out of this uh you know disassociative panic almost by um becoming aware and appreciating the like the beauty around him okay um so that i think that we we talked a lot about that song i think we got a lot of good points in do you want to move on to here mm -hmm. at the right time the last song and album yeah sure and i and i i wrote down that i i i think the song is kind of genius because thin blue flame like it, it's like it is sort of like the quintessential last song on an mm -hmm. album you know like you have you have this like just opus super long super well thought out like uh, lyrically complex emotionally ev evocative like um song and then like that's how you know that's how a lot of albums end um but here here at the right time i think it, it's not i think if it were anywhere else on the album it wouldn't have that much of an impact um, but because it comes after thin blue flame it's sort of like lyrical and musical simplicity and and just like really calm beauty to it and 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 just how it's sort of like it is basically just it's it's a very it's not a conventional love song because it's like there's a lot of weird imagery in it and it's not even exact it's basically saying like i hope i hope um i i got here at the right time basically yeah. i um, love the lyrics to this song. so it's not yeah you know they're they're really beautiful um and they're juxtaposed with thin blue flame a lot because it's like it's an incredibly different song um, well, well, it opens it's up a, it's a, with it's a, the it, under wide blue skies, which definitely. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah, true. Do you think that has anything to do with like what you were getting at, where it's sort of meant to be listened to after those sort of long magnum opus or whatever you would call it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've 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 actually never thought about how it starts with the wide blue sky. There's a place to lie. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's, it's pretty purposeful. I think, like, I think once again, I just think that the song derives so much of its, so much of its value on the album from, from its place yeah. on the album. That's cool. And that, that it goes back to the idea we talked about way earlier about, you know, this album being more than just a collection of the songs, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so what, what are some of your favorite, uh, lyrics in this song? Um, let's see. I like, I think I like the, uh, the last stanza the most. I was a pretty poor cure, but my love for you was always sure. The bucket was broken, but the water was pure. Yeah, I like that. Too. Um, the, I like I, the, the image of a, of, you know, a, uh, 
you know, a broken person, but love being, you know, like the, the, the value or validity of love not being defined by um, how, you know, well put together or uh, wealthy or smart or whatever you, you yourself um, consider yourself. I think it's a nice, it's a nice image. Yeah, definitely. It's a short, it's a short, it's a short song lyrically. There's not, there's only like, you know, what? 12 or 15 lines total how like instrumentally how does this album end this this song is almost all piano i think let me listen to it it's all yeah there's no instruments besides piano on that i think there might be some bass but i don't think so yeah it's just it's just it's a really it's a beautiful piano song i, I remember i also learned this one i think it's um it's maybe more a little a little more conventional folk piano because it's sort of this solo piano with sort of a whispery voice on it um but it's a it's a really beautiful song yeah and that's that's it for this album uh we talked about all the songs yep it going going through it song by song i feel like we can really see the i mean i didn't really i you know this album better than i do but it definitely seems like the the themes of it are kind of all over the place Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah there it, it there's a there's a lot going on but there is sort of a it is hard to it's hard to put your finger on it but there is something that that unites them and, and like there's the di there's a distinct vibe to this to this album i think like if you put it on in the background you don't listen to it closely like it will it will create a fairly um you know consistent feeling in in the room i don't i don't there's, i don't know a better way of, of putting it than that and what feeling is that that it you think it brings to them I think if you don't listen to it, I, I think it is a mellowness. I think it's it feels like a very cozy and and homey album to me. But once again, my my uh, my opinion or my my experience of it is so if, like influenced by how many times I listened to it and how for how long I have listened to it and and like my associations mm -hmm. with it, which um, you know is 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 probably different for different people but i do think it's like i don't have that association with all of josh Witter's albums like if this this album does feel um different i think of this as is sort of a you know a, a, a cozy album whereas i i don't feel that about really any of the other ones maybe a beast in its tracks but that one's sort of sad um so i, I think it's a cozy album but it, there's an uneasiness to it it, yeah. keep, it, it, it keeps you sort of unsure about where exactly things things are that, that's that's definitely like one of the reasons why i started this podcast like this the beauty of music in that like you know you can have certain feelings towards certain albums and not really know exactly why that that you have them like it just brings you mm -hmm. and it's 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 just because like you know music is just no matter no matter what it definitely is influenced by you know the time we listen to it what, what, like, mm-hmm Mm -hmm. yeah totally um in, in just in conclusion anything to add about this album anything you'd like to maybe tell people that haven't listened to much josh Ritter before or yeah i mean i think um i mean i would reiterate i think it's worth like i think josh Ritter is, is an artist like if you you know if you like lyricism and you like um alternative folk in that like some albums are very like sort of conventionally folk music i think golden age radio is is very much conventional folk music but if you like folk music 
um, you will definitely like Josh Ritter, and I think it's worth listening to a good part of, if not his whole discography. I think starting, you can even start with the self-titled Josh Ritter album from 2000, but it's it's it. I would I mean, I don't think you need to, um, but I think it's it's definitely worth listening if you like this album. Listen to the albums on either end of it, like on either side, the Hello Starling and Historical Conquest of Josh Ritter, and then I think you'll you'll start to see how unique this album is in insofar as it's sort of a transitionary album in his discography. Okay. That's good to hear. That's, that's interesting. Uh, you, you mentioned the, the, the debut and that's, I, I, I've always done that with music where like going back to the debut after listening to all the other stuff is always kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, you get to hear like mm -hmm. the, the sounds that are developed further on later releases. You can sort of hear them starting mm -hmm. to take shape and uh yeah mm -hmm. that's that's i don't know i don't know what i have to say there but that's just kind of interesting uh, um yeah all, all right i mean that i think that pretty much does it for this this one um yeah i i am um i think that's all i wanted to say and then thanks for thanks for letting me talk about that i, I kind of felt like oh are we gonna have are we gonna have enough to talk about for a whole podcast but i think we talked for like an hour and a half and it did it felt uh very um you know dense like we we didn't run out of things to talk about yeah <laughs> definitely all right 